Get ready for a no BS approach to health and fitness. This is NBS Fitness Radio. Welcome back to MBS Fitness Radio. I am here with Sonal Barar. She is a uh, physical therapist who focuses on pelvic health. And I think we met each other uh, maybe two years ago. Correct. And, um, and recently you, you did a, uh, a seminar for a lot of the uh, members of our facility. So uh, what is the pelvic floor? <clears throat> Excuse me. What is the pelvic floor? Like, I think people hear that and maybe a, bit, a little bit more uh, common term than it was in the past, but like, explain that to people. What is it? Okay. So um, in 2005, if you've heard, told me pelvic floor or if you've asked anybody pelvic floor, they'd be like, what is that? Yeah. But I think we've evolved so much that now if you say pelvic floor, at least people know what it is. So yeah. it's getting some attention, yay to the social media, yay to everything. Um, so it's, it's getting out there. Um, so I started my journey in 2005. Okay. Um, I finished my physical therapy in 2004, a long time ago. Um, I finished my doctorate in physical therapy in 2010. Okay. And um, my, um, my doctorate was on pelvic floor dysfunction. And um, I started treating in 2005. So I've been treating it for a long time. And I specialize in pelvic floor, but... Um, after working on it for a long time, I noticed that it's pelvic floor is not just pelvic floor. You know, you you have to look up the chain, you have to look up the core, you have to look up the breath, the ribs, the hips, everything. So, in the last twelve years or so, I have I don't call it pelvic floor anymore. Mm, I okay. call it core ah. because um, you know you have pelvic floor problems. You have a prolapse, incontinence, anything that you have, you know, it's not just the pelvic floor. Because if you were to do just the Kegels, it would fix it all and I wouldn't have a job. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's because it's not just doing Kegels. So, so you're suggesting that the body's actually connected? Yes. Ah, okay. We can't isolate muscle groups outside of other muscle groups. Yeah. What, what sent you down the path It's uh, of that? Like, at what point did you know I want to... Uh, I want to get my doctorate in this and focus in this area. So I, um, I started a new job. I moved here and started a new job. And my boss came to me and be like, hey, you know what? It'd be a good idea for you to get trained in pelvic floor. And I'm like, ew, no. <laughs> I am not doing that. Are you kidding me? Um, I was a new grad, you know. I was in outpatient, hospital-based outpatient clinic. And I'm like, no, 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 not away, nope. And um, she was nice enough to not force me or not make me do it. And uh, six months after that, I, um, I had pelvic pain. Mm. And this is a small town in Michigan. Um, not a lot of help around there. So I went through doctors, through doctors, through doctors, and um, come to find out that, hey, you know what? Your pelvic floor is tight. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, if anybody that knows pelvic floor, I would. It's a muscle. You know, I'm a physical therapist. Who knows better? muscle than me um that's not right you're wrong you can't tell me that all of this is coming from pelvic floor tight who told you that it was your gynecologist ah, okay um yeah. and that was my 13th doctor mm. uh, so um i said you're wrong that's not right and um he had a physical therapist in the clinic and he put me she put me on a, 
uh, uh, biofeedback and it's supposed to be like zero resting tone and it was 10 and I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm not even working and nothing is working already. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, I'm like, oh, wow. So then um, for me to see that PT, I was in uh, Marshall, Michigan and um, the your gynecologist was in Grand Rapids, which is two and a half hour drive. I was supporting my husband. Um, he was in medical school. I couldn't take a day off to get a treatment. Yeah. Um, so I was like, you know what? I went back to my boss and I'm like, you know what? I will go take that course. Let's, let's, let's do this because I think I'm going to have to find this and figure this out on my own right. because I can't afford to take a day off and right. go get a treatment because this, this is in, this is like 20 years ago. There's no public floor. Nobody's heard of it. It's yeah. not even there. There's like maybe 10 PTs in the entire Midwest area that yeah. were doing it. So, um, yes. So that's how I got into it. And then, um, that's all I did. That's all I did for a long time. Very cool. And um, that's when I added um, the core because I would see a patient and I would treat their pelvic floor. And obviously I was experimenting on myself as well. But you you get the manual therapy done. It relaxes it. It calms down the spasm and all that. But you know what? It comes right back. Yeah. It's like getting going to chiropractor, getting adjusted, and then um, two or three days later you're back to where you yeah. were. So why is it not sticking? You know, so that's when you start looking and then, this was a time when a lot of um, a lot of PTs in a, in our field they were coming up with more research, more stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, that's connected to the breath, and that's connected. You know, your pelvic floor is tight; it could, your jaws will be tight. Mm. Um, your pelvic floor is how your feet are. Now I've I've gone so good I've gone so good with it that I can look at people's feet and can tell how the pelvic floor would be. Interesting. Well, okay, we're going to try that out. As soon as this podcast is over, I want to know. Um, so it's it's um, it's evolved. It's um, it's a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing for Pelo Four. Yeah, it's it is interesting to to just see kind of like the medical advancements over time and just how they kind of like tend to. It's just how how they how they evolved. What um, all right? So now people kind of do have an understanding of what pelvic yes. floor is. How would someone know that they are? have a suboptimal pelvic floor? Like, what would be the symptoms or the indications that, like, maybe I should go see a doctor? So, um, pelvic floor is your biggest compensatory muscle. And if, if something's not working, guess what? Pelvic floor is going to chip in and work. Mm. If your glutes don't fire, if your TA doesn't fire, if something's not firing, guess what? Who's working so hard and over time? That's going to be your pelvic floor. So, um, because it makes up for any dysfunction in the entire core. Yeah. So, by the time you you notice a dysfunction, let's say you notice an incontinence or a prolapse or hernia or pain or even with men, you know, erectile dysfunction, any of that, by then it's it is already too late because it's been compensated for so long. Because yeah. you would think, you know, for example, let's say talk about menopause women, you know, they might have um, pelvic dysfunction after they had the baby, which was 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. And everything's been fine. They're pushing through. But then they hit the menopause, and certainly the hormones are gone. And um, now they're like, oh, my gosh, menopause caused it. I just, my pelvic floor is bad. But you know what? It was in the making for yeah. all those years. So by the time you notice a symptom, it's it's been in the making for so long. There is a list of um list of symptoms you know back pain could be a pelvic floor dysfunction a coccyx pain is it is a classic pelvic floor dysfunction um you know 
foot pain, the way your hips are, labral tear is directly connected to pelvic yeah. floor dysfunction. Um, you know, your rib pain, I, I see pregnant women, um, and, you know, it's all, again, your diaphragm is the top of your core that's set in the rib cage. So any dysfunction in that, you know, you'll have pelvic floor dysfunction. So I would say if you have um, any aches and pains in the in the torso and the whole core, which I would say starting from the neck to all the way to the end of the pelvic floor, you definitely want to see if, if traditional treatment has not worked for you. Mm-hmm. Let's say your hips are, are getting tight all the time um, and you do the stretches and you have the pain and it's, you know, you've, you've gotten the traditional treatment if it's not working. You know what? It's it's time to check on the pelvic floor. Interesting. So essentially you're saying, I hate like when these like very obvious symptoms show up, like uh, that's a little too late. Like we, we better have to prevent that from happening in the first place. Correct. Correct. So these kind of like maybe non-specific symptoms, like kind of general pain or dysfunction within the yes. torso, even like yes. tight hips. Yes. But the shit, that's everybody. <laughs> so, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah, you need to go to get your pelvic floor checked out. Okay, so well, th- what, let me ask you this then. If okay. that's what maybe a suboptimal pelvic floor yes. presents itself as, what does an optimized pelvic floor present itself as? Mostly um, people that are doing, um, have a good movement in their day. You know, people are working out. They have a dynamic movement, not just a sagittal plane or a frontal plane. You know, more dynamic, more three-dimension, more of those people are actually tend to do better with um, if, you know, postpartum is obviously hard. And any time you have a baby is hard. But, you know, if, if you're... If your pelvis and your rib cage are stacked on top of each other with throughout the movement, it's not thrusting out. Yeah. It's not whenever you're, um, you know, even lifting the barbell overhead, if you're not thrusting out, if you can hold that core in a very neutral position throughout any movement that you do, that is a pretty optimal. And I, I, I love watching movements like that. And you do obviously have some on your Instagram, like, oh my gosh, that is a good movement. Uh, yeah, so it's essentially the ability to, like an optimized core would be yes. one that's performing the way it's supposed to. Yes, it can lengthen. <laughs> Yeah. And contract the same yeah. way. It could it can move with the breath. It's not um, causing strain. It's not thrusting the ribs forward. It's not compressing the spine mm-hmm. uh, posteriorly. So that is going to be um, a, a good core. It's a good pelvic floor. Okay. Yeah. What what are the cause? Like what are the the, the common causes of a suboptimized core pelvic floor? <coughs> Why do people is this is a design flaw, or is it like, is it our our um, our lifestyle that causes uh, us to kind of get to a spot where like our core and our, our pelvic floor are not optimized and they're causing dysfunction? I think we've designed brilliantly. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think it's a design fault. I think um, you know my um, great grandma had thirteen children, um, and I do remember. I do see her picture somewhere, and I'm like, wow, 13 children, that's a good core. Like, it is straight and slim and, you know, very, very neutral. And I'm like, wow. So, no, it's not a design fault. Um, But I think we've gone into the movement where we're sitting, standing, walking. That's it. You know, we're not, we don't have that dynamic movement. And for for extended periods of time. Yes. It's not like you're, like, sitting, standing, walking sequentially back and back and back. It's like you're sitting for... For Four a while, hours. So, which is bad for you anyways, yeah. but, you know, yeah. it's, what did I hear? Um, um, 
sitting is in you smoking. <laughs> but, Pretty um, accurate. But um, so all of that, I think it's a bad movement pattern. Yeah, and okay. because of, because your core is three dimension and, and if something doesn't work, um, somebody else will chip in. Yeah. It's that bad chipping in pattern for a longer extended period of time yeah. is what would cause a dysfunction. So there's nothing, you know, people can go for years and not have anything, you know, can be sitting at the desk and be fine. And yeah. somebody would be sitting at the desk in the same position, maybe even have less weight and would have problems. So yeah. it is more of, you know, some of them is how you're built. You know, sometimes the hips are different. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the body's a bit different. But um, but it is the movement dysfunction. It's it's a pattern impairment in the in the correct movement. Yeah, so, that makes uh, sense. And when you are pregnant, and that's a shock to the core. Yeah. And, um, you know, you go back to doing things and, um, you know, you're, you're never given targeted exercises or targeted way to improve or go back to your pre-pregnancy place. Um, you know, you'd be, I, I would have um, postpartum moms 30 years be still in um, pregnancy posture. Mm. So uh, unless, unless you, I, I don't think our, we're getting more awareness yeah. now, but yeah. I think unless we change that, it, it, people will fall into that pattern. Let me ask you this. It, let's say, I'm trying to think like back before industrialization when people spent most of their time sitting down all day. Was like in a, maybe more um, like in a tribe that, 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 that lives in a, in a pre-industrialized way are they still seeing pelvic floor dysfunction or core dysfunction post-pregnancy? I, I would tend to think not. It, it, it's like they're just constant movement and functional patterns that they do all day, every day in life, prior to pregnancy, throughout pregnancy, and then beyond. Is, is that kind of self-corrected? It is. So, okay. again, we don't have that kind of society yeah. for me to go check it. But for what I can tell um, – I grew up in India, yeah. and um, now it's it is like here. Yeah, you know, everybody's sitting and all yeah. that. But when I was growing up, you know, I don't remember seeing anybody overweight. Yeah. Um, there was no televisions. There's not electricity either sometimes. Yeah. but you know, you're on the floor all the time. You're you're moving. You're getting the water. You're pulling things. You're pushing things. Here, I I don't remember getting on the floor to like go help my baby out right, or right. something. So, I think we were meant to to move. Yeah. Through different planes, through being on the floor, uh, you know, all the time or moving in a different way. We, w I remember my grandma used to grind her own grain in a, in a stone yeah. mill. You know, that's a great movement yeah. to do or um, make butter out of the milk, yeah. you know, movement. You know, those movements, we don't, we've lost those. So um, now I think people that try to incorporate some of that into their fitness and their routine, I think that's a great idea to get moving with yeah. the core. But yes, we do, we have lost it. So let's, for example, I used to be on the floor growing up in India, which I was only 25 when I moved here. Um, and then there was no reason to get on the floor for three years, okay? I am not talking me being 70 or something. This is me being mid-20s. Yeah. I did not, had no reason to get on the floor. Um, and then I get on the floor and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is really hard to sit on the floor. Yeah. So you lose it. Yeah. I mean, a young person like me lost it in yep. three years, even though I was um, used to being on the floor such a, for such a long time. So yes, you would lose it. And uh, yes, I think my great-grandma could push the babies out and looked great. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> And we need a lot of help. Yes. Yeah, I, um, I, 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 I've seen so many times in like young children 
Because you feel like any any kid that you watch <clears throat> moves relatively functionally well, like yes. at, at birth, because they they spend all the time on the floor playing all that kind of stuff. But around you know age five or whatever, it's like okay, sit down eight hours a day. And I've yeah. seen so many kids in middle school or like late elementary school yes. with like just major dysfunctions. They look like a candy cane. You know, yes. uh, they're crazy tight. And you're like, how are you, how are you so inflexible at, at 12? Um, and yeah, so it's just like, we take this, this organism, this child is essentially made to, to do all these cool things. Then we go, okay, but we're just gonna have you do this one thing and <laughs> sit down <laughs> all day. And, uh, I was watching this show. I can't remember. It's, it's about the blue zones, but on Netflix, and, and one of the things that was fascinating to me was they, they were following, they were talk, talking to this, um, this small village in Japan. And in Japanese culture, they tend to eat on the ground. Yes. And, uh, or even in uh, like the Middle East. Most of the Asian culture does. They tend to yeah. s- uh, do everything on the ground. So there's no toilets, yes. there's no chairs, the, the bed's on the ground. Yes. Everything's on the ground. And, um, and if you just watch those people, like they don't have any dysfunction problems, of uh-uh. like, they're not, they don't have tight hips. So when I did my um, internship in India, um, never heard of hip replacement and knee replacements. I've never seen one case. If I worked in a government hospital and then I came here and I'm like, ooh, everybody's getting knee replacement and hip replacement. And that's such a normal thing to yeah. do here. Um, but yes, because if you think about squatting on the floor, look at your range. You, you've got full end range yeah. to, of the movement to yeah. when you get on the floor. Uh, we don't do that anymore. I don't do that anymore. Do you, have, do you have a normal table and chairs for dinner at your house? I do, yes. <sighs> <I'm> <laughs> <laughs> now I do. <sighs> uh, I, I'm such an extremist. It's like, I, like, I'm fully aware of this. And like, I'll, I'll be like, I'm like, hey, if there's a chair, I'm going to sit in it. So like the best thing for me to do is just get rid of all the chairs in my house. My wife's like, <laughs> I'm not doing are you that. on the floor? No, I want to be. That's what like <laughs> now I'll watch. Usually kind of my rule of thumb is if I'm going to be a lazy butt and watch TV, I have to do it on the floor. I have yes. to like sit Indian style or really just being on the floor. Just, it makes me move a bunch. So I sit Indian style, sit 90, 90, or just, I'm moving around in a way that kind of exposes me to, to, to range of motion. But yep. Yes, which is which is great. Again, is floor sitting great for everybody? No. If if I have um, people sit on the floor right now who's never sl- sat on the floor, well, guess what? They're going to sit on their tailbone. Yeah, yeah. How's that great thing? Yeah, it's yeah. not because they don't have the movement, the mobility, yeah. the range to, to do it. Yeah. So, yes, sitting on the floor is great, but would I sit on the glo- floor with a perfect posture? Absolutely not. <laughs> so you just got to get some yoga blocks. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> uh, you, you have to um, work into it. Like, yeah. say, it took me about a um, good three to six months to be barefoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was um, wearing custom orthotics that cost about $400 per pair um, for 15 years. Yeah. <clears throat> if, you were to, if I were to put my foot on the floor, you know, it would kill me. And, and I had to work on it. I couldn't be like, hey, today I'm going to wake up and not wear my shoes. That's not going to work. Can't go to zero one. You have yeah. to work on it. I had people help me to work on it. I had to work on it. So, yes, it's the same thing um, trying to work on yeah. it. But you know what? People do like a quick fix. <sighs> it's just, I think for me, it's the temptation of a chair is there. And yes. so the best way for me to... <laughs> To, to, to deal with that is just remove the temptation. <laughs> but then you're going to stand. 
No, like I would say, like like to eat dinner, like as a family, like we just need to get like a, like a, like a, you know, floor table. I have a child that leans. I mean, she has. If I were to look at it, I I do. Even if you're not telling me, I'm analyzing people's movement patterns. So, you know, of course, um, God's going to give me a child that is going to challenge yeah, me. Yeah. So <laughs> I am going to, I'm like, the first two years, I'm like, hmm, should we? I, I even took her to the peds uh, rheumatologist to make sure we don't have anything going on major. Yeah. Because everywhere says, shit, she's slouching. Yeah. So then I took the chairs away from the dining table. I put a stool uh-huh. because now she can't um, lean on the yeah. rest. Then she's falling on the dining table, you know. <laughs> so then I, for a minute, I'm like, okay, now you're going to sit on the floor. And yeah. then she's laying on the floor. You know, so she has, <laughs> even today, you know, I'm like, okay, Sonri, let's just keep your spine straight. Can we fire that core? You know, I'm just constantly working on her. With piano, she's falling on the piano. I'm like, okay, let's just hold it straight. So yeah. um, it's a, it is challenging to do yeah. that. And, and, and with them working on, like when you said kids, you know, working on the computers and the books, and, you know, they're, they're slouching, they're, they're so intense on um, whatever they're doing yeah. that they forget how to sit and all that. So, yeah. um, but I think no amount of nagging fixes it. <laughs> I Especially think. now for mom or dad. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, um, you know, signing up for gymnastic or, yeah. you know, um, um, anything, you know, Ninja Gym is yeah, amazing. Yeah. It's, it's great. You know, so whatever you're doing, it's, it's pretty cool, you Very know, cool. for the community, for yeah. the kids, just to make, a, make it a little more interesting. So, you know, let's say I'm telling you to sit up straight. You're yeah. not going to be able to. Unless you strengthen those muscles, unless you get that range, you're not going to be able to. So drilling yourself by like, oh my gosh, why am I not sitting straight is not going to help you. You're going to have to train Mm. um, into getting into that movement to get that mobility, get that motion, get those muscles working. They've been slacking for so long. So um, it's it's a whole process of it. So just, oh my gosh, I'm not sitting straight. You know, that's not going to fix it. So um, again, you know, when I have diastasis recti patient, which is a core separation after their pregnancy um i'm not making them do abdominal exercise at all yeah. you know your core is connected i'm making them do shoulder work and hip work and you know lengthening the back um, and trying to reverse the pregnancy posture and then you know when you correct all that guess what the separation comes together by itself yeah, yeah. because body knows what to do mm. um so if you think about it every pregnant woman would have a separation uh, pregnancy, every pregnancy will have a diastasis recti. Everybody will get it. Yeah, some people yeah. would heal. Some people have one finger, two fingers. Some people have a wide open ones. So, you know, it just, you you remove the restrictions and, and it heals by itself. Well, okay, let me ask you this. Yeah. For that specifically, if you, if you have a very uh, extreme separation, uh-huh. <coughs> let's say you have the extreme separation and then you do not do any type of work afterwards yes is it possible to bring that yes. back it is possible to yes bring that it back. is so let's say um i have somebody with nine finger separation that's this far yes my fingers so okay <laughs> but still so i mean that's be, yes. that's a significant yes. chunk so it'd be nine finger separation and you know what is if you think about the core let's let's talk about that so you've got the diaphragm at the top which is in between the rib cages and again, when I'm trying you, to, I'm asking you to visualize it. I want you to visualize the 360 degrees, not just in the front. Yeah. Or diaphragm is not just in the front. Then you've got the back muscles, the erector spinae, and all that that holds it in the back. The f- the sides and the front are your six different abdominal muscles, mm-hmm. and the bottom is your pelvic floor muscles, yeah. which is not one muscle; it's 27 muscles. Okay. Um, and your your hips are connected to it. Um, 
your glutes are connected to it, your abdominals are connected to the pelvic floor. So when you have that separation, actually it is not a separation, it is a lengthening of the linea alba. Separation would be when you actually have a tear in it, which is a hernia. Yeah, yeah. And that you will need a surgical management for that yeah. because it's actually a tear. Yeah. Um, diastasis recti, by definition, is not a tear. It still have connective tissue connected to it. It's just lengthening. Just lengthening of that connective tissue. Yes. So that linea alba line that you see when the belly is so pregnant, that's yeah. your um, that's your separation. Yeah. So um, when so what happens is when you're pregnant and you're trying to make room for that baby, the baby's going in the front. Yeah. What happens is all your connective tissue and your fascia moves in the side and the back to make some room in the front. Now, when you have the baby and everything's great, now they stay in the back. The minute you move that fascia, so if I have somebody with a nine-figure finger diastasis, which I love to have such a dramatic one because then I can see the change, um, I would just release the fascia wherever it's restricted. And guess what? It would Two days later, one visit, it would be closer. It will be like three or four fingers. Now, that last one to two fingers is really hard to get because that is going to be your strengthening. <coughs> that is going to be your loading, and you want to be yeah, loading so that. So that is hard yeah. to get. But the dramatic one, they're, they're easy. As long as there's no tear in it. Yeah, yeah. They're, okay. they're easy to get. Yeah. <coughs> so then what, what, what kind of tools are you using? Um, what kind of tools are at your disposal that, that you use to help um, diagnose and treat different core and pelvic floor kind of issues? So um, diagnosis is just by viewing their patterns. Got it. Okay. I am um, more hands-on. Yeah. So releasing that fascia would be hands-on. Again, now I do fascia dry needling. I do traditional dry needling. I will do cupping or something like that. Just Those are just some of the tools in the toolbox. Which is some type of tissue manipulation. Yes, but most of it, 90% is from... um, hands-on okay yeah and um you know those are the things that you find the fascia that's restricted you release it it will move back to where it's supposed to so when you if the separation is too big and you're going to load it it's going to load it in separation and it will make that separation worse Mm. but when it's like one or two fingers and you load it that's a good time to load it to kind of bring it together so um, yes, again, when you're thinking about that fascia um, pulling sideways and backwards, you know, that's your shoulders, that's your hips, that's your back, that's like a whole system dysfunction. It is not just the diastasis. If you, okay, if you do manipulation to that fascia to release it, yes, is that, does that stick and hold, or is it, like, do you have to come back and, and kind of, like, just go from, like, nine to five and then back to seven and, like... no. It's just one so and done? Because, you know, if think about if they didn't get any help. You know, there are there is studies that's done that 78% of women, um, everybody has diastasis after the baby. It goes back. Some yep. goes back within 24 hours. Mm. Some goes back, and depending, that's a, a bit of genetics and yep. how good your genetics are. Yep. But, you know, once you've, you've got it together, it will stay there. Okay. Because that's the body's normal place yeah. to be. Yeah. And the body knows that it wants to go back. You're just assisting it to yeah. go back to that place. Um, but the, the one or two, the last ones, that's, that, that's going to need some work, and it's going to stay there. Okay. Um, I had a baby last year, and I still have one and a half finger diastasis. Okay. Yeah. So just just takes what it takes, but continue to train it kind of moves it closer and closer together. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah, so fascia <laughs> release would have to help to get it closer, but once you're at two to three, then you start loading it. Yeah. Is okay. there is there a unhealthy 
separation? Like at a point where like, hey, you should be careful before loading this or... No, mostly as long as there's no hernia. Yeah, okay. Hernia is a tear is where the content of the abdominal will push out. Yeah. So as long as um, you don't have a hernia, I think you're you're good at um, training it. And then just making sure you're loading it right, making sure that that core is is the the diaphragm and the pelvic floor are right on top of each Mm. other, and that's your most optimal core. Can you talk about the breath and how important that is and what is an optimal breath? So, okay, so um, it, it, I had to do a lot of research a few years ago because there's not enough information on breathing. Uh, they, people will just be like, just take a deep breath in and deep breath out and count for three or four and breath out for three or four, this box breath. But nobody's telling you where you're breathing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They say, oh, don't breathe in the top and breathe at the bottom. But where are you actually breathing? So, you, so when you're, um, I'm going to go back to the pregnant um, diaphragm so when you have a baby pushing in the diaphragm is is pushed um up at the top superior so then now you don't have room to breathe so now you are going to be a chest breather and everything because you're trying to make room but what happens is yes you don't want to be a chest breather but again we are we go to these uh, fitness places and everything oh breathe in use your diaphragm breathe into the belly okay that is just the front breath Mm, yeah. You have to think the diaphragm is is 360 degrees. It is all around. Yeah. 99% of the diaphragm is stuck posterior in the back. Um so you want to think about when you're doing a good breath, you want to think about that bucket handle movement of the rib on the side. You want to think about the rib cage expanding. So when you think about a good breath, good fr- breath to me is expanding the rib all around mm. not just the front yeah. not just the belly moving mm. not just the chest moving yeah. it's got to go all around the minute you have that all around breath the pelvic floor will be in a great place mm. because um because the diaphragm and the pelvic floor would are related to it one moves the other moves yeah if, if you're stuck in the back of the diaphragm and the sides you're going to be stuck at the back of the pelvic floor and the side so it just mimics everything that the diaphragm does Interesting. so breathing is very important people are like oh i don't know why i went to physical therapy and all they did is breathing and i'm like no that is very important yeah. so um it is it is where the core is this is where the core moves and we forget about the breath but it is very very important uh yeah i like to use the, the analogy of a of a um of a balloon. I was like, if you blew air in and out of a balloon, it doesn't just move in one direction. It moves in all directions at the but same time. But if you time. think about that, okay, I'm going to go back to that balloon. This balloon is my favorite demonstration. If you think about that balloon, when you're blowing there, let's say you already have, like, think about a balloon as a core. Yeah. Okay. Now you've got the air in it. Guess what happens when you pinch the balloon in the back? It's going to protrude in the front. Yeah. What happens if you pinch the balloon in the front and the back? It's going to protrude in the bottom. Yeah. Well, that bottom is your pelvic floor. Yeah. So unless you are, so when you're doing the weightlifting and you tell people to, um, you know, fire that core yeah. and push against that core, it has to be pushed against all 360 degrees and not just the front. Right. You know, it has to come up from all direction. If you think about that balloon, the pressure has to come from yeah. all direction and not yeah. just the front or the back, you know. So that balloon is, is a great analogy. Yeah. Um, what are some of your, like, tools at your disposal disposal for like the specific pelvic muscles so pelvic muscles since it's a group of so many muscles again all i'm doing is hands-on work 
Um, I do dry needling, but I have not had anybody volunteer for pelvic floor dry needling yet. <laughs> it just sounds painful. Yes. Um, but so it is a hands-on manual work and correcting the patterns mm-hmm. and finding what is not chipping in. That poor pelvic floor is working in about, I've done pelvic floor for almost 20 years. Um, and I can tell you for sure, about 95% of the pelvic floor is overactive. Okay, so it's it's not because it's weak. You're, it's not because I have not yet to ask anybody to do Kegel in my first visit. Yeah. Um, because it's already tired from chipping in for somebody else. So this is what happens. Um, let's say your pelvic floor is compensating for somebody else not c- kicking in. So you're using that pelvic floor so much. That pelvic floor muscle, those tiny little muscles, if you look at it, it's not meant to take your load. Yeah. So when it's doing overworking so much, but then guess what? You want to cough and sneeze and it wants to show up. It can't show up then. When it's supposed to do that squeezing, it can't do it because it's already overtired. Mm. And then you're like, oh my gosh, my pelvic floor is leaking. I need to strengthen that. Well, guess what? Yeah. You don't. You just need to lengthen it, bring an awareness and find the other muscles to support it. If you think about a pelvic floor, <coughs> think about it as a trampoline. And you know how trampoline have different legs. So we're going to think about the the front two legs would be where your abdominals are inserted. The side two would be your hips are. And the back is where your um, spine is, you know, the paraspinal and the glutes. All of those have to be in a perfect place for that trampoline to bounce. Yeah. If one leg is backwards or forward or not moving, guess what? You're not going to get that bounce on it. Those organs, when you need cough and sneeze, when you have that intra-abdominal pressure going in, it needs to bounce to be able to activate it, mm. to be able to kick in. Yeah. If you're kicking in all the time and you're squeezing it all the time, it's not going to show up when it needs to. Yeah. Does that make sense? 100%. <laughs> okay. So you're saying that, that because the other muscles in the core yes. are not doing their job, Correct. the pelvic floor muscles are getting overworked and fatigued. And when you need them to show up to keep you from peeping, like when you're doing jump ropes or sneezing yes. and coughing or something like that, it's too fatigued for me and worked all the other time to show up on that level. Correct. <coughs> and so what a lot of people th- would say is like, oh, I'm, I can't jump rope. I can't jump or whatever. Every time I, I, I sneeze, I, I have to pee. Yes. They think I must have a weak pelvic floor. Yes, it's because like, that's what we're drilled in. Yeah. We're, since 1948, since Dr. Kegel came up with Kegel, I think women have been drilled in. Did you do your Kegels? Are you doing Kegels at the red light uh, when you're sitting in the car? Are you doing Kegels after the baby? No, because we've been drilled in to be contracting, contracting, contracting. Yeah. And now we have this culture of... Um, you know, not, you know, being, it's so overworked. And like I said, 95% of the people that I see would be overactive pelvic floor. Now there is 5% that's completely lax. And yes, I would give them Kegels yeah. to do, but that's very, very less percentage. Yeah. So if you, um, I was reading, I, I love new statistics, um, you know, 50%, if you pick 10 women off the street, you know, half of them, 50% would have prolapse. Prolapse? Yes. Yes, 48% of athlete. Vaginal prolapse? Any prolapse, yes, mostly vaginal, yes. Um, Of some some degrees, yes. And um, 48% of athlete would leak. Wow. And 44% of CrossFitters leak. This is you have a 50% chance of having one of these major... Yes, and has the, the fun thing about it is it is not related to you having the baby or not. 
it's not because you had a baby vaginal birth or C-section or not. The, the group of the women, they were all mixed mm. uh, for the control group. So, mm. yes. So, it is that common. Wow. And, um, yes, we're talking more about it, but I think we still have a long way to go. Do, okay. When someone has an overactive pelvic floor, yes, is the process... What's the process look like? Are you trying to, to release it and relax it? Yes. Or does it, and then also strengthen the other muscles? Or does by strengthening and turning on the other muscles, does that help just turn off the, the pelvic floor? So it's, um, there's a short-term plan and a long-term plan. Yes. You know, we want to address, excuse me, we want to address the, the pelvic floor, which is overactive, but strengthening the other muscles is not going to get you there Yeah. in the short term. The short term goal is to release those muscles, is to lengthen them, but it's not going to hold it. It's not going to hold it unless you fix a problem in the first place. So you have to look deeper in the core. Why were they tied in the first place? You know, now again, there's um, episiotomy scars and birth scars and abdominal surgeries and back surgeries and all of that would cause that. But um, you have to dig deeper. So then the long-term plan would be to let's um, work on the scar tissue or let's release the scar tissue. Let's release, um, you know, some of the tightness in wherever the fascia that's connecting it or just let's do some strengthening of certain places. And yeah. um, I love working with NPS, and I've come here a few times to coordinate some of my um, clients' um, programs, and yeah. I've talked to Chris Hoppy and then Max and um, David. Yeah. And, uh, yes, that's where I'd be like, okay, let's let's strengthen this, this, and this group before we can do a squat or before we can do overhead press or something. Let's, let's, let's have a plan. And yeah. that has worked. Uh, that has worked well. I think that's a... a a whole program in a nutshell. Uh, what what would a um, what would kind of a plan a timeline look like for someone who comes to you and says like I'm having these issues, and <clears throat> okay, kind of take your average female who's I mean not to the extreme, but is definitely having some like issues um, in that area, like like how like what's it look like? Are they doing Twice a week, three times okay, a week, so, it's um, like six weeks, it's like six years. This is going to blow your mind, but um, pelvic floor is a very intelligent muscle. And that's why I love working with it. Um, you know, most, since I have, um, in my practice, most of the women, I think my average is about two to three visits. Oh, wow, okay. So, um, you know, and um, you will come to me and I will tell you this is what it is. You work on it. Um, you come to me and then... By second visit, you're already more than 50% better. Mm. Then you have a long-term plan. Then I give them a month off. Okay. And then they work on things. That's when I coordinate um, uh, their okay. strength training and, and all of that. So we are. I'm not a traditional PT. I don't see people two times a week for four weeks or yeah. anything like that. It's mostly some women I only see once. Yeah. You know, um, hey, this is your problem. And, you know, most of the women I love to work with are very, very active all they need is a little path to follow and yeah. they're willing to do whatever yeah. is asked for them. So, you know, I love that population of movement, you know. Um, so let's say, for example, I had a pregnant woman, 28 uh, weeks pregnant, wanted to do the overhead barbell press mm -hmm. uh, and she was doing it, but now it hurts her um, rib cage. Well, I only see her once yeah. and we fixed how to work that, how to adjust it because I don't want to, I don't want anybody to give up the activity that they love to do. I don't want to tell her that, hey, you're second trimester and you should not do that. Yeah. No, I want her to do that. So let's see how can we help you to work on it. So somebody like that, I will just see her once. So in that case, you're just kind of like 
educating her. Yes, educating her. And then I would have barbell press, and I would make her do the press, and then we'll correct a few things. And I would release some of the work. You yeah. know, there's always some fascia work involved yeah. in it. Um, I do visceral manipulation. Um, so there is, there's going to be some work. But mostly it's just that, hey, if it hurts, come back, and they haven't come back. So... Um, it's 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 mostly customized, yeah. is, is, and it mo- and I spend a good ninety minutes yeah. per person, um, so that gives me enough time to get the history, get their plan going, and help them in the best way. Very cool. So I w- the, is it is it like diagno- uh, diagnostic release, and then breath like support? Yeah. What was like? When does breath come in and, and into that? The breath, I address it the first time. Do you typically do you release the muscle first and then show them how to breathe, or is it? Is it breath first? So sometimes, <coughs> most of the time, 50% is when they just don't know how to do it. Yeah. So it's just a lot of training. I'm like, now put my hands on their rib cage. I'm like, hey, breathe into my hands. Can we move these ribs? Yeah. 50% of the r- time, they do have that movement. Yeah. Now, 50% of the time, if they've been pregnant a while and they've had that pregnancy posture for a long time, mm. you know, those intervertebral muscles are constricted. Those are then I'll have to work to okay. release because they now they've lost the the mobility in it, yeah. and I'd have to um, bring that. Now, then I have to do on um, on hand training, okay. you know, more uh, fascia work or dry needling or cup, whatever yeah. the tool that I decide to use, but yeah. So thinking about, like, uh, pelvic, he- pelvic floor and core health in men, uh, we're not, we don't go through pregnancy, but we do sit on our butts all day long. Yes. And so that's why we see... That's why there are pelvic, pelvic floor issues amongst men as well. Yes, because those are going to be my typical glute clenchers. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <Just> continue. <laughs> those are going to be my typical glute clenchers. You know, I've, I've seen um, men that are like so fit and everything so tight. And now they've overfired the glutes so mm. much. And that overfires that posterior pelvic floor so much. And um, mostly I see them for erectile dysfunction or uh, my biggest population is um, dyssynergy defecation, which is when you have constipation and everything's ruled out, you don't really have a tumor, your colonoscopy is great, but you just are still constipated. And th- that is related to the pelvic floor dysfunction. How, did, like, can you, how does that, can, walk me through that. Is yes. it the pelvic floor is so tight that it's constricting yes. the, r- the rectum? Or yes, the, the, col- will, the colon? Uh, yes, I'll yeah. tell you that. So hopefully so everyone will, will appreciate this conversation. Okay. <laughs> I'll at so least will. Okay, <laughs> 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 okay so I um, I can talk about pee and poop on the dinner table. So right, yeah. you can tell me if it's too much, and <laughs> I will not say. But here, here, this is how it works in a normal um, function. So let's say your colon's making the poop, and you, it makes it to the rectum. Yeah. It goes to the rectum. You've got this neurotransmitters in the rectum, and the rectum stretches. It sends the signal to the brain. Be like, hey, we got her poop. Yeah. Um, and you are going to assess the situation because you may not be anywhere closer to the toilet. To, yeah. to do or some people don't like to use the public bathrooms. Yeah. Or So you do two things. You either turn it off, be like, oh, no, we can't go. So then that stool goes back to the colon. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it dehydrates more because the colon sucks the water out of it. Or you'd be like, oh, there's a bathroom. I'm going to go. So then when you're, if you decide to have a bowel movement, what is going to happen is the rectum is full with the stool. If um, and your pelvic floor is where your anal sphincters are, you've got a the, the rectum is not straight, so poop can't come out straight. It's a forty-five degree angle, and that's a puborectalis muscle that pulls it. So it, even if you don't have pelvic floor 
working, you will still not have um, stool incontinence because of that angle. It's not a straight canal that yeah. goes down. So everything's holding it. So the puborectal is a part of the pelvic floor muscle. It holds it and it maintains that angle. So you have to sit on the toilet and hopefully your knees are above your hips. Um, and um, what happens, the mechanism of pooping is that pelvic floor muscles has to relax, yeah. has to lengthen, has to open up. Simultaneously, you're going to use your abdominal muscles to create that push to get it out. That is your perfect bowel movement. Yeah. Well, if you have somebody that is like, oh my gosh, I felt like I didn't empty all of it or it's still something there. That happens when that pelvic floor opens a bit and be like, oh, nope, oh, I need to be tight. And now you have to strain so much to push through it. So then you're generating extra intra-abdominal pressure, which is not needed. It's like if you have a dollar to spend, you only need a quarter of yeah. the strength, but now you're pushing, a, you're pushing a baby out of there. Yeah, yeah. That is going to strain that pelvic floor so much. So there is, that's called dysenergy defecation. There's four different types of it. I'm not going to bore you with the detail of it, but whenever that mechanism is either you're not lengthening or enough, either you're not generating enough pressure when there's dysfunction in the two, yeah. you're not going to be able to have a good evacuation. So that bowel movement is not going to come out. So if you're constipated and if you, you've ruled out everything, it's pretty sure that your pelvic floor is responsible for Interesting. that. Interesting. Yes. Okay. So, um, I used to work with closely with GIs and I used to, um, you know, there's a balloon expulsion training that we did there's a they would normally do in erectometry and you know give the results so we have work to do you know it also there's a lot of pressure that has to go the right way the the angle has to release so the 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 rectum that had an angle would if the pelvic floor relaxes then it's more yeah, straighter yeah. then your um swinters internal and external swinter has to not have so much pressure if they continue generating pressure you're going to have to work so hard to push it out versus just effortlessly yeah. pushing it out. Then again, we'll also have to talk about the consistency of the um, stool. If it's yeah. too hard, it's not going to come out. If it's too soft, it's hard to push. So, you know, you have to have this long form There's stool. Like n nutrition. <laughs> would, would be a uh, nutrition yeah. and hydration yeah. and movement. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're going to sit all day, you know, you, there's the peristalsis are not going to move. Yeah. Um, if you have scars on your abdominal, that is going to restrict the colon movement. Uh, it could be a small gallbladder scar. Or it could be a big, um, you know, any abdominal surgery, C-section scars, because your colon is right under it. Yeah. And everybody has a different scar tissue. You yeah. may have a, a cut and you heal great, and I would create 70% more scar tissue yeah. than you did. So everybody's different. The genetics play a role in the creating the scar tissue. But if it is um, affecting the colon, and that's where I do more visceral work. Okay. Yeah. And then I, erectile dysfunction, similar restriction prevents blood flow. Yes. <coughs> so, you know, you to get a good erection, you're going to have a blood flow. That's why the Viagra and everything works well, yeah. because what it's doing, it's doing vasodilation. Yeah. If you think about the blood flow and the nerve system and all the supply, lymphatic, everything goes from the upper body to the lower body through the pelvic floor. Yeah. Okay. You've got tight hips. Your posterior pelvic floor is tight. You're pushing on the nerves. You're pushing on the blood vessels. It is going to restrict that blood flow to the muscles. Yeah. To the shaft of the penis, wherever the, you know, it's going to restrict it. So that is why, um, you know, lengthening that pelvic floor, working on the pelvic floor, would be important. You know, a lot of people would 
walk around with a with a tight pelvic floor. But you know, let's say if you're sitting here and you're walking around with your shoulder up tight, you'd be like, you know, hey, Dave, you know, hey, David, why 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 your shoulder up all the way? Could you relax them a bit? But you know, the the thing about pelvic floor is you can walk around with a tight pelvic floor and you don't know it because you can't see it. Yeah. Um, it, are people coming to see you like? Because uh, I'm just thinking through that, like if if the average person has erectile dysfunction or incontinence or something or um, um, whatever, like I'm thinking through, like you're probably like number six, seven, eight on like the list of doctors that they eventually come to. Twentieth, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like they've gone <laughs> to like their their GP and then yes. they saw a specialist yes. and that person like did a scan on them and they went to 20th. this and they gave them this and you know it's like. And finally, like, what well, I've done all this stuff, and then someone goes, "Well, like, how does someone find out?" I guess because, like, I wish it, it's it's getting better. Yeah. Okay, I used to be twentieth. Yeah. Maybe now I'm tenth. Yeah, yeah. So I'll tell you this. Um, I love stories. So, um, you know, long time ago when I used to work at the hospital-based outpatient clinic, you know, I had this gentleman in his thirties, testicle pain. You know, it is. Um, been through a lot of doctors. It was in military of some sort, where it was very tight regime of everything. You know, good physically fit. You know, um, uh, and um, they removed. So when by the time he came to me, uh, he had his testicles removed. They removed because, his testicles. So what happens is, if you have pain, if you can't keep going back to the doctor, they will do something. They have to do something. What did they? Uh, what did they diagnose him with though? Like what was the testicular pain? Just pain. So, you know, so removed one. Still have the pain. Remove the second, still have the pain. Then after long journey of everything um, came to me. And I'm like, okay, all right. You know, so then I'm checking the pelvic floor. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is a very tight pelvic floor. And of course, that was not somebody that was fixed in one visit. But um, yes, I had to work with him for about four to six visits. And his pain was... 80% better. How um, did he take being told you didn't have to have your testicles removed? I know it was that. Cause that it was, it wasn't well, it wasn't received well. He's, yeah, uh, he's going to have a mental um, issues for a long time, but yes, for the rest of his life. But yes, but it, it is for the same thing with coccyx. Okay. So all your pelvic floor muscles are actually inserted into the coccyx. How many people do you ha know that have tailbone pain? You know, a lot. So when you keep it's the practice, medical practice has gone better, but um, you know, maybe few years ago when if you keep going back to the doctor with the with the coccyx pain with the tailbone pain with the tailbone pain you keep going they have to do something they give you pain meds you still have the pain they'll go and and remove it oh, remove the coccyx coccyx yes i didn't know that was yes. a surgery yes. they'll take that whole yes and that's yes. got to destroy your pelvic floor <laughs> yes. because everything's yes. attached to that yes so i think we've evolved a bit but you know these are some of the really really bad cases that i've seen and um I had this woman that had um, coccyx tilted like 90 degrees. So every time she'll poop, it will be a sharp pain. Because the, what's in front of the coccyx is the rectum. Whenever you push the... So hers was, was 90 degrees like right. this? So you've got some... You've got like posterior 90 degrees? You always will have it bent forward. Because guess what? Okay. Most of the people fall on their butt. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's always going to be bent anterior, so inward. Yeah, yeah, okay. So it will never be pushed out. Okay, like, so it was like 90 degrees inward, though. Yes, oh. yes. So every time you put, every time there is a bowel movement, it will it will give you harsh sharp pain. For 20 years, okay? 20 years. 
nobody could figure out like oh i've got all the tests done and all that i'm like you know what this is a pretty significantly like coccyx let's how i just got my mri and i've got my you know the ortho and the chiropractors and everybody saw it i'm like oh i would love to look at the image can we see the image um so she bring in her disc and um so i look at it and it it stops at s2 i mean it's not even in the image the coccyx is not even in there and i'm like it wasn't even because coccyx you know even if you go to a chiropractor they are adjusting the spine yeah so your coccyx reflects your spinal movement. Yeah. Yes, you you work on the spine, it will help the coccyx to move yeah. to the neutral position, but that's an indirect approach. Yeah. I have a two-visit coccyx protocol that I work directly on the coccyx, and that is so more effective. It, it, it just helps lengthen the pelvic floor because you have to look at everything. What's pulling it? Yeah. Yes, you fell on the butt, and it injured it, and it broke it, and it... It or moved it. It's it's about the size of this. Yeah, you know, it's pretty small. Yeah. So, um, it you know, but something that has easy pelvic floor fix. You know, people have gone through major surgeries, gone through so many doctors, have been given antidepressants yeah. because they can't figure it out, or it's in your head. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, um, it's it, it's getting better. It is getting better, but it still needs a lot of um, light on it. Well, hey. I hopefully th- this brings some light to a lot of people that like maybe this shouldn't be number twentieth on my on my uh, doctor approach because of like between having my testicles removed and doing a couple of uh, PT sessions, like all thousand percent take the PT. Well, yes, that's, this, this was um, yes, this was a while ago, so I'm hoping no, nobody's doing that. But even for the medical people, you know, even with the medical profession, you know, pelvic floor is like. I I wish it was more progressed and more people were getting out. The the, the medicals is just so compartmentalized and and, and, um. it is. I'll tell you this. So if you look at the pelvic floor, you've got the bladder. You go to urologist. You've got the uterus. You go to OBGYN. You've got the rectum. You go to GI colorectal. Yeah. But they're not talking to each other. Right. They're so specialized that there's no. But but guess what? The pelvic floor is, is sitting. Between all of it. They're involved, it's involved in all of that. Yes. Yeah. So when I, I take a very detailed history myself, I don't have people fill out the form because I want to ask them because I would ask them questions they haven't even asked themselves. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, how about this? Do you run to the bathroom a lot? Do you have incontinence? Most of the people will say no. And then I'll ask, do you run to the bathroom? Do you know every bathroom that is in every building? Do you feel like you have to pee every time you turn the keys on or see the feel hear the water running? Yeah. Well, yes, you do. You have an yeah, urgency. Yeah. So, you know, you have to get into detail because women normally or even men would say, like, no, I don't have it. Yeah. So... Uh, and then we get into the flow. If you're like, oh, how is your urine flow? Is it is it fan? Is it skinny? Is it dripping? You know, those yeah. are like I do get into a lot of details. It's, it's how I built my plan. Yeah. You know, if uh, if you come see me, I will um, spend ninety minutes with you. I will take a detailed history of lots of questions because that helps me make the better plan for you, the most effective one. Because um, I'm delivering results. Yeah. Uh, you want you want to see the difference. You don't want to be like given, hey, just come so many visits and then you'll see it. Yeah, yeah, but people want to pay for the results, not the yes, the, yes. the number of and sessions. The, it is they're always better when they walk out. I love it, Sonal. Yes. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. That was uh, very enlightening to me, and, and <laughs> hopefully very helpful to everyone else. Well, thank you for having me. Let uh, people know how they can find you and get in contact with you. 
So um, my practice is called Beyond Core Wellness. I do a lot of educational stuff on Instagram now that I'm better at it. Um, so there is a lot of educational things on it if you want to just follow me and just see what I do. Um, and uh, I'm right here in Collierville. So come visit me anytime. Awesome. All right, Sonal, thanks for coming on. MBS Fitness Radio, out. Thank you for listening to NBS Fitness Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, follow us on social media, and check out our website at www.nbsfitness.net. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more NBS Fitness Radio.